Y'all doing okay? Doing good? Good? Had a good weekend? Awesome. Good deal. Well, I'm really happy. We're uh, kicking off a, a new series called Decisions, Decisions, Making Choices That Make Sense. How many of you have ever made a dumb choice? <laughs> yes, we all have, right? Of course we have. Sometimes that looks, it came in the form of you know, a person we were hanging around or going out with. Um, for, for some of us, it's that, that thing that we bought that we really couldn't afford, but at the time it seemed so important that we had one, right? Uh, and then we, uh, we regret later on, um, I've heard people talk about cars, I wish I'd never bought that car. They feel just saddled and weighted by the car payment. They loved the car in the beginning, and now there's already a nicer, newer one out on the road besides theirs. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, have, um, we, we do make some poor decisions sometimes. And so this series, we're going to be doing four sermons on this, and um, we're going to be talking about how to make good decisions according to the Word. Now, before we get super, super practical, which we will in the coming weeks, uh, this, this morning, I, I want to lay the foundation and make sure you understand that it's your choice. It's your choice. Like, you, you have the, the right to choose, and uh, your decisions are going to determine your quality of life. You may not be able to choose every circumstance that comes that way. How, how many of you chose what family you were born into? Not a single one of you, right? It was, it was the sovereignty of God. It was just God in his own wisdom, in his own foresight said, you get to be a part of this family. Well, you may not like that. But God has given you the tools to be a part of wherever he set you, wherever he's placed you. And so um, you may not have a choice. You may not have a choice uh, regarding every circumstance, every situation that comes your way. But you do have a choice to choose your reaction to what happens to you. You do have a choice to choose your, your, uh, your reaction. Um, you know, Tiffany and I, over the years, have, have had multiple choices that we've had to face. Even just the move to Thomasville. You know, we used to live in Birmingham, Alabama. It's where she's from originally. And we felt the Lord calling us to come back to Thomasville. And it was a hard choice because Thomasville is not like Birmingham. We had gotten very used to a, a bigger city and, and, and doing stuff all the time and, 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 and all that. And, and when the Lord called us back to Thomasville and we moved here, we would look at each other. We'd both be off work. It's like 6, and we're like looking at each other like, what do we, what do, we do now? <laughs> There's nothing open except Waffle House, you know. Well, we don't know what to do. And, and, and so it was a, it was a major, it, it was, it was a major uh, shift for us and change for us. Um, but we had to learn how to make that. It was a life-changing decision. Many of you are facing life-changing decisions. Um, a, a funny story, Tiff and I were talking about the different decisions that we had made over the years. Um, one of my good friends who used to go uh, here, and he's moved to Atlanta, his name is Garrett. We were college roommates, and um, my sophomore year in college is when I got to know Tiffany, and I was considering asking her out, which in hindsight was a great decision. But there was another girl that I had just gone out with. Uh, we kind of liked each other as well. And I went to my friend, Garrett, and I said, Garrett, man, I, I don't, I'm not the kind of guy that like, you know, dates a bunch of people. Like, I just want to choose one girl and see if it's the, the, the one that God has for me and, then, and do that. I, you know. So, Garrett, who do you think I should ask out? 
And Garrett was like, dude, <laughs> there is no question. You need to ask out the other girl that's not Tiffany because she's in a sorority and you get to get sorority t-shirts. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. This was his, this was his, <laughs> this was his. So my best friend encouraged me not to date who is now my wife. We'll talk later on about who to listen to when you're making decisions and how to do that. But, but so we have all these voices, right, that are talking to us about how to make the right choices and how to make decisions in our lives. Um, I, you know, uh, before I was the lead pastor here for several years, I was a youth pastor. And I've never forgotten the story. I'm, I'm not going to use her real name. I'm going to call her Sally because I don't think a Sally's ever gone through the youth group here. But, but there was a girl, Sally, in our youth group, and, you know, she was someone that my wife and I really loved and really wanted to invest in, and she came from a, a, a pretty hard background. Um, she, she lived with her mom. Her mom was divorced, and, um, and she lived, uh, she, and she, she would come to us. She would say, you know, I don't want this life. I don't want my mom's life. I don't want this life for me. And so we would talk to her, well, what, what do you like? What, what do you want? And she said, you know, I, I want to live um, in, in, in a house that can fit my family because they were all, you know, scrunched into one small house. I, I want to live in a safe neighborhood because she was in a very unsafe neighborhood where you didn't know what was going to go down every night. Um, I, I want a guy that's going to stay with me and stick with me and love me. I, I want a guy that's going to follow God. I want a guy that's going to take care of me. And so we said, Sally, here, we'll pray with you, and you're going to need to begin to make some decisions to, 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 affect, to have that outcome in your life. And, and so we, and she, and she was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. And so we, we began to pour into her and we began to, to, um, to explain to her that it's your choice. It's your choice. The, 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 the quality of life that you have is your choice. God has, God has um, uh, given that to you to steward. And, and that's the first thing I want to let you know this morning. You can choose. You can choose. Now, there's some theology out there uh, within the church that seems like God is a cosmic puppet master. And he's somehow making everyone do everything he wants to. And this is all just, uh, you know, some kind of crazy game that God is pulling the strings for everyone. God is certainly in charge. There's no question that God is in charge, that God is sovereign. But in God's sovereignty, he has subcontracted out to you the decisions for your life. Do you hear that? He has subcontracted to you. You get to choose. You get to choose. Joshua 24, verse 15. And this is uh, Joshua uh, brought the Israelites into the promised land. And he's about to die here. And this is one of the last things that he says to the people of Israel. Uh, verse 15. Well, we'll start with 14. It says, fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But, verse 15, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates? Or would it be the gods of the Amorites and the land that you now live? But as for me and my family or my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is instructing the people of Israel, look, it's not God's choice whom you will serve. He has a plan, a will, and a desire. But it's your choice. Choose this day whom you will serve. Now, I'd love to get off, you know, he said, you can serve what your parents served, you can serve what the culture of today serves, or you can serve the Lord. It's your choice. 
It's your choice. You know, you can come to every single function we have here at VFC and still make bad choices. Because we can't make the choice for you. It's not our choice to make, amen? It's your choice to make. Um, I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Here's another verse that's, that's similar. God has subcontracted to you the ability to choose. Uh, Verse 19 in Deuteronomy 30, it says this, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your seed may live. That both you and your seed, that's your children, may live. Choose life. Now, God is not crazy. How many of you knew that? God's not crazy. He's not insane. All right. Only an insane person would instruct someone to do something that they had no ability to do. Right? So God says, choose today. I've set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. You choose today. Therefore, choose life. One version says, oh would, the, oh, would that you would choose life. I mean, it's like God's pleading. I, I, I really wish you would choose life. Isn't that interesting? God of the universe, all-powerful, allows you to make the choice. You can decide. Um, if we go to the New Testament, look at uh, James, the book of James, chapter 1. And we're going to read... Uh, 14 and 15. It says, when desire conceives, it says, when lust conceives, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished or full grown or matured, brings forth death. Do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. See, here's, there's a process to your decision-making, and, and there's a book, and, and you can write this down, and you may or may not be interested in this. There's a book that I've been reading that's, that's really, really cool, because I like a little bit of brain science and some of that kind of stuff. And there's a doctor, her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf, and the name of the book is Switch on Your Brain. And she's a neuroscientist, and she studies the brain. And, and one of the things that she says in this book is that choices take up real estate in your brain. What does that mean? Like, choices are not, you know, you may just think, I'm, I, you know, you're, you're at Walmart and you're picking out toothpaste. But if you, at that moment of picking out toothpaste at Walmart, if you were under a brain scanner, uh, they, they could actually see your choice. It's actually a physical thing that resides in your brain. Choices and thoughts take up actual space In our minds. And there is a process to deciding. And it has to do with neuropathways. I'm not going to bore you with all that. But it has to do with neuropathways. It has to do with with an influx of information that you receive. It has to do with your past choices. Uh, And and your brain is is a very efficient organ. And so it takes the path of least resistance. In other words, if it's trying to get from point A to point B, it's going to take the shortest route. Okay? And so your past choices, the choices that you are predispositioned with from, you know, from your family and the way that you were born, you're going to tend to want to continue on in those choices. Why? Because it's the easiest, the widest road. But Scripture says narrow is the road that leads to life. 
And so we have to utilize our choices. And what we just read in James, there is a process of deciding. It starts with a thought. You never do something that, that first wasn't a thought, at least in, in your conscience, okay? I mean, you're not sitting there, heartbeat, 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 breathe, breathe, right? That's part, that, that's, that's the automatic part of your body. But, but everything else that you do is, is a choice that you made. It's a choice that you made, and that choice started with your thoughts. It starts with your thoughts. And so in the process of deciding, thoughts turn into actions. The actions um, reap the consequences of, of what you did. And when we see it in Scripture, it says the, um, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So... Uh, thoughts turn into actions. And then when you have a collection of thoughts, that a collection of thoughts is an attitude. Attitude turns into habits. So a thought brings about an action, but an attitude brings about a habit. And then strongholds turn into destinies. A stronghold is a collection of attitudes. And, and, it's, and it's a, a habituated response. In other words, it's where you automatically think a certain way and this is who you are. So it started with a thought that led to an action. It turned into an attitude that became a habit. And then eventually the stronghold determines your destiny. And that's what it says. It says everyone is tempted when they're drawn away by their lust. It says lust conceives. Now, not to get too deep on you here. But, but desire or lust conceives. You, there are two parties um, that are involved when there's conception. All right, y'all know what I'm talking about. Are you with me? Okay. All right. So desire or lust conceives with action. See, you may have a thought, man, I'm going to punch this dude in the face. <laughs> you may have a thought, man, if I just cheated at my taxes, I'd get a bigger return. You may have a, a thought, if I just lie to my boss about where I was, I'm not going to get in trouble. You may have a thought, but until you bring it to action, it hasn't become sin yet. See, that desire to do the wrong thing in itself is just a thought. But when, you, when it conceives with action, it gives birth to sin. It also, good thoughts conceived with action give birth to righteousness. Do you, do you see how that works? And, and so you get to choose. You get to choose sin or you get to choose righteousness. And it's, it's when you give thoughts, when, you, when your thoughts um, get together and, and are conceived with action, it brings forth either sin or righteousness in your life. Amen? Amen. So I want you to understand, you can choose. There is an actual science of choosing. Choosing literally exists inside of your brain. It can be seen on brain scans. You can choose. Amen? Amen. Here's the other thing I want you to know. And I'm sorry, but I need to tell you this. You are really good at making bad choices. You are really good at making bad choices. As a matter of fact, we all are. We all are. Jeremiah chapter 17 Verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitfully wicked. The heart is deceitfully wicked. It's desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all things. Now, what it means by your heart is the seat of your emotions. 
the seat of your thought life. See, an, an, an unregenerated person um, does not possess the capability to live in righteousness. Um, and if, if, you, if you read about, and I don't have time to get into the history of it, but if you read about what's going on during this point in Jewish history, Jeremiah was the prophet. He's trying to get uh, the Israelites, he's trying to keep them from getting wiped off the face of the earth. And at this point in time, it's called the Babylonian exile. So um, Nebuchadnezzar is a king, bad dude, right, awful dude. He's taken over Israel. And, um, and, and as long as Israel pays a tribute or pays bribe money, to Nebuchadnezzar, he's not going to wipe him off the face of the planet, okay? Thank you, Nebuchadnezzar, for not wiping me off the face of the planet, right? Well, what happens is one of the kings says, man, I am tired of giving all my money to this guy. So he forms a rebellion, and Nebuchadnezzar flexes his powerful muscles and wipes out so, so much of Judah, it's ridiculous. And Jeremiah has been warning this king, please don't do it, man, don't do this. God has not said it's okay for you to do this. You will get wiped out. The king does it anyway, and he gets wiped out. Then another king is put in the guy's place. And Jeremiah is like, look, the Lord has not instructed us to rebel against this guy yet. So what does this king do? He says, I'm going to lead a rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) And he gets wiped out. And so many of the people of Israel are killed and slaughtered because they're not listening to the word of the Lord through Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah writes after this. Jeremiah writes and he says, the heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. So we all have a tendency to make bad decisions. We're good at it. Have you ever heard the little voice in your head when you want something and you know you can't afford it? And you start rationalizing it and you start making excuses. Well, I mean, no one won Powerball last night, right? Okay, I'm not going to ask how many of you bought tickets. Um, but you start bargaining, you know, Lord, I could use this $800 million. And Lord, I would give so much of it away. Lord, if you will just bless me with a winning lottery ticket, I promise I'm going to give $1,000 <laughs> to your work, Lord, right? And we, yeah. We, 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 our heart is so deceitfully wicked. It's, 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 so, uh, it's so attuned to our, own, to our flesh and to our own desires and needs. We're, bad at making, we're good at making bad choices. We need God's help. We need God's help. And until we realize this, all the instruction that we're going to give you in the weeks to come about how to make good choices is worth nothing until we understand that without God's influence, we're going to continue to make bad choices. Amen? Here's the last thing I want to let you know, is that your choices will affect others. Your choices will affect others. Um, There's this idea in culture that, well, this is my personal choice, and I get to make this choice, and nobody nobody owns me, and and this is who I am, and, and it's my choice. There's no such thing as a personal choice. There's no such thing as a private choice. Everything that you, every decision, you may make a decision behind closed doors, but it will be revealed in public through your lifestyle, through your actions. There's no such thing as a personal or a private choice. And it will affect other people. Think of it for a moment. Those of you that grew up in households that were, that, that were not, um, uh, that it's not a loving, it wasn't a comfortable household. 
uh, there, there was a lot of abuse, there was a lot of problems. How different would your life be today if you were brought up in a loving family? See, their choices affected you. Think, think of you, those of you that were brought up in a loving, wonderful family where, where the parents were plugged in and they supported you. What would your life look like if you had an alcoholic father? It'd be totally different, wouldn't it? Now, God's a redeemer and he can take anything but, 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 and, and make it for good. But, but you understand, our choices, they don't just, they're just, just not your own choice. Well, I'm not hurting anyone. You are affecting someone with your choices. And Scripture actually says this, but there is some good news. So I want to read. The first verse here is Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Um, this is where the Lord is passing uh, before. And it says, uh, Lord God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundance, Abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, um, and by no means will clear the guilty. Visiting, check this out, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Do you get what he's saying? He's saying that the iniquity of the father, the sins of the father, will go down for multiple generations, even to the third and fourth generation. That means without the help of the Lord, all right, that there, is, that there is a tendency for the sin of your great-grandfather, your great-grandmother, to affect you spiritually. You, you can't, see, the choices you make today are going to affect everyone around you, family members, your church family. And the choices you make will affect Victory. If you, if you name Victory Fellowship Church as your home church, uh, what you do affects us. It reflects on, on how people view this church in the community. So, so do, you see how, do you see how your choice is, it's not a personal choice. Now, here's the good news about that, about the, the, the Lord visiting the sins from the third and fourth generations. It's in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 19. And it says this. It says, um, it says does the son bear the iniquity of the father? When the son does what's, what's lawful and right and has kept all my statutes, he will surely live. And he won't have to take on the sins of the father. It, so that's good news. So this is one of those situations in the word. Have you ever read something in the Bible and it, and it says one thing and then you read another part and it says another? And you're like, what? What's going on? Well, this is where it takes some study. So this is what's going on. So in Exodus, God declares that one of the things that happens is that the iniquity of the fathers uh, is, is revisited from generation to generation under the third and fourth generation. But here in Ezekiel, it says the son doesn't have to pay for the sins of the father. What's the difference? It's both. It's both, and the difference is your choice. See, the sins of the father create a predisposition in your life, but they don't create a permanent destiny. Did you hear that? The sins of your fathers and mothers and grandparents and great-grandparents, they may have created a predisposition. They may have created a certain culture in your family towards sin or righteousness. But they don't create a permanent destiny. You still have the right to choose. And that's what Ezekiel says. If you live righteously, you won't be visited by the sins of the father. Do you follow? Am I making this clear? And, and, and so we, your choices will affect others. And thank God that through the blood of Jesus that we can be saved, that we can be, um, we can, we can be taken out from under the culture of our family, the, the weight of sin that came through our family bloodline, and that we can become new and we become adopted into the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen.
Do you, do you remember Sally I was talking about in the beginning? Do you, you want to know where she is today? Um, now she lives in an unsafe neighborhood in a really, really small house where she can't really fit all of her family. And she is currently living with a uh, sorry, spiritually weak live-in boyfriend. I know that's kind of a downer. I'd love to tell you that Sally made it and she's, she made her way out of she made her way out of what she wanted and she made the right choices and decisions and she didn't because it was her choice. It, it was her choice and it's your choice. You get the chance. You get the you get God in his sovereignty. We use the word free will. I like the word delegated will because God's in charge. But he has delegated to you that you get to make the choice over your life. So I'd like to ask you, as I end, two questions. And I really want you to focus on this. And I really want this to be, um, to kind of set the tone for the rest of this series. Are you willing to ask for help with your decision making? No, don't just say yes automatically. Take this question in. Take, just think about it. Are you willing to ask for help? Because this means something. This means you're going to have to do something. If you're willing to ask for help from the Lord in your decision making, you're going to have to do some things. It's not just a wish. Well, I want to have a different life. Okay, that's great. But until you allow the Lord to move in your life, it won't necessarily come to fruition. So are you willing to ask for help with your decision-making? That's the first question. The second question is this. Are you willing to learn how to make good choices that agree with God's plan for your life? Because there's no point in teaching you how to make good choices until you first are willing to ask for help. And that means you get out of the driver's seat. You get out of the driver's seat and you get in the passenger seat and you allow the Lord. You consult him on everything going on. Jobs, families, friends, activities, hobbies, everything. Everything's on the table before him. So if you're willing to ask help, then are you willing to learn? Are you willing not just to read a couple scriptures, but are you willing to actually... Allow the word of God, the spirit of God. Are you actually learning, uh, willing to learn how to make those good biblical decisions, those confident decisions? So you don't always, wouldn't it be great to never second guess? Wouldn't it be great to know, hey, I know I'm in the will of God. It's, it's an amazing thing. The world needs to see confident Christians who aren't confident in our own abilities, but who are confident in his ability. Amen. So that's my question for you. That, that's, that's what I want you guys to think about as we continue this series. Are you willing, first of all, to ask for help from the Lord? And two, are you willing to learn how to make these choices? Let's stand for prayer.